Hello, movie friends. I'm Lily Percy, and I'll be your guide this week as I talk with Slate Podcast's June Thomas about the movie that changed her life, Kez. It's a British movie with some strong accents, and we're going to give you all the details you'll need to enjoy the conversation. I had never heard of the movie Kez before, even though I was really familiar with the films of Ken Loach, who's the director of the movie. Ken Loach, for me, has been my teacher in all things uh, activism. His movies often deal with the struggling working class, the marginalized communities all around the world who are just trying to survive. And even though all of his movies tend to be realistic and therefore depressing, they're also inspiring, and they've connected me to stories and people that I would never have connected with otherwise, like Kez. I seem to pick on you, don't they, Casper? Why is it? Don't know, sir. Because you're a bad one. Maybe I am sometimes, but I'm not that bad, sir. I know stacks of other kids that swear to me, but they seem to get away with it. Mm. Why else, do you think? Eh? There must be some reason, wasn't there? Well, take this morning, sir. I just came in, sir, and just dozed off. I wasn't doing no wrong, sir. You see, I'd been up since six. I had to do papers. Then I had to rush home to have a look at bed and then run to school. I mean, to say you'd be tired, wouldn't you, sir? You'd be exhausted. And that's not... You shouldn't be caring for that, should you, sir? You can't tell Mr. Grass that. And this little lad, sir, he'd only brought a letter, sir, from one of the teachers, and he ain't got cane. It's not to laugh at, sir. Afterwards, you're sick as a dog. Kess tells the story of Billy Casper, a young kid in a community in Yorkshire in the north of England. He's poor, he's lower working class, and his family is struggling, struggling to survive and also struggling to just be together. Billy is ignored by them, especially his older brother, Judd. He's also ignored by his school system. He doesn't really feel loved by many people, except for this bird named Kez. Now, come on, come on. Tell us about this hawk. Where did you get it from? Found it, sir. Where? In the woods. Where did you keep it? In a shed. What did you feed it on? Beef, mice, birds. Well, isn't it cruel to keep it in a shed? I mean, wouldn't it be happier flying free? Don't keep it in shed all the time, sir. Fly it every day. Doesn't it fly away? I thought they were wild birds. Of course it don't fly away, sir. Train it. Kez is short for Kestrel, and Kez the bird is the one thing in Billy's life that loves him and that he can love back without any shame, without any fear. And... This bird becomes his symbol of freedom. Many of us rarely see ourselves on screen, either in characters or in storylines. And June Thomas found Kez so resonant because it spoke to her community. It spoke to the way that she grew up and the people that she knew all of her life. Kez is a movie that symbolizes for her the home that always is gonna be within her, but that she left. So I don't know if you are familiar with um, the children's presenter, Mr. Fred Rogers. Um, Indeed. Yes. Well, I don't know if you've seen the uh, clip of this. It's on YouTube. But at his uh, Lifetime Award, um, when he was accepting that at the Daytime Emmys, you know, when he got up there on stage, he faced the audience and he told them to take 10 seconds 
to think of everyone who had brought them to this moment in their lives. Ooh. And uh, wow. yeah, it was this intense moment when you watch and you watch the audience's faces and what they're thinking through. And so I'm not going to ask you to do that. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but I am going to ask you to go back in time to the first time that you watched Kez and to mm. think about what what time that was, how old you were, where you were, and kind of all of the memories that come back to you. Ooh. Not sure I can absolutely remember the first time I saw it, but mm. I know that I did it for, as we say in England, I did it for O-Level. We did the book, A Kestrel for a Knave by Barry Hines, which the, which the movie is based on. Oh, so you read the book in school. Yeah, it was, it was like one of our exam texts. And I have to say, I went to a very different kind of school than Billy Casper did for secondary school, at least. But I... And, and funnily enough, there when I was rewatching recently, I could not exactly recite lines. It wasn't like Rocky Horror Picture Show or something. <laughs> yeah, it's not that kind of movie. Moment, <laughs> no, but there were moments like I I yelled along with Judd, "Hands off, cocks on socks!" And <laughs> and so I, there were certain moments that were embedded that weren't necessarily the best moments or mm. the most significant moments, but they those were the ones that had kind of joined all those old songs that are stuck in your head somewhere. Um, but it definitely was a movie that made an impression on me because it was the first time I saw a film that really felt like it was about where I grew up and it was about people like the people who I grew up mm. around. And as much as people, you know, kind of sneer at that a little bit and like, you know, I'm a white woman in America. I, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem finding reflections, but there are always parts of your identity that yeah. you, that you don't see reflected and that you that you really feel seen when you yourself see them on a big screen or even on your television set. So that was one of the very first films when I had that experience. Mm. And you're talking about very specific parts of your identity that you don't often see. Right. And and I have to say that the, there's some very key things about this film that are different from my life. But the, the, the sort of people do, have, I mean, I... I have great northern pride, even though I doubt <laughs> I could actually live there anymore. Um, but, you know, there's a thing that people down south, they like to kind of make fun of the north and of northern pride. And of and they kind of suggest that maybe mm. like we have a chip on our shoulders, which is really just a classist kind of, you know, the north is more working class. There are working class people everywhere in Britain, but the north is more working class. Um, and this is, you know, also this is, yeah. a, is a working class story, which... Again, even today, you really don't see very much, except perhaps, you know, this is a film by Ken Loach. And I think really among the few places that we see them yeah. um, are Ken Loach movies. And actually, I would also say, um, OK, so I wasn't from Yorkshire. And also, this is a very much a boy and man movie. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. there's there, there, you really see Billy's mother, but really, you know, the girls and you, you kind of forget that there are girls in the class because you really don't spend any time with them. And you know, I'm a lesbian. I don't really spend time with men. You know, it's like, <laughs> that's not really my life. Um, but I did grow up in a mining village and mm. my dad and my grandfathers were miners. And even though the pit closed actually about 1968, so uh, I was alive, but not very, not very old. Um, so I didn't really like it wasn't a thing that people, you know, of my age weren't going to go down the pit. But that certainly had been a thing. Uh, mm. and, That's know, literally it's, it's, dialogue from Kez when, yeah, when he says, yeah. I'm not going to go down the pit. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And 
um, you know, that, again, that was something that, that was not much reflected elsewhere. And, and I really enjoyed seeing that played out rather than just be, you know, something that I would hear in family conversations or in other similar situations. Tell me, Caspar, have you ever thought about entering a trade as an apprentice? You know, as an electrician or a bricklayer or something like that. Of course, the money's not too good while you're serving your apprenticeship. And if you do stick it out, you'll always have a trade at your fingertips, won't you? Mm. Well then, Caspar, what do you think about it? I say that. Are you listening to me? Yeah. You don't look as though you are. I've been the last to see before four o'clock, you know. Well, if nothing I've mentioned so far appeals to you, and if you can stand a hard day's work and you don't mind getting dirty, there are good opportunities in mining. I'm not going down, Pete. Oh, don't be put off by what you've heard. Conditions have improved tremendously. I won't be seen dead down, Pete. What about hobbies? What hobbies have you got? Do you like gardening or constructing Meccano sets or anything like that? Don't you have any hobbies at all? Can I go now? What's wrong with you, lad? Sit down, sit down. I haven't finished yet. Well, I've met some lads in my time. I've never met one like you, Casper. Half the time like a cat on hot bricks, the other half you're not listening. So we talked about how you often only see this kind of portrayal and portrait of working class life in Ken Loach films. You know, this is what he's known right. for. And right. something I really love about his movies is the way that the characters talk. You know, they talk the way people yeah. talk, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And it feels like just everyday life. And he, he once said in an interview um, in talking about his movies and kind of the themes that play in his movies, that the point is to encapsulate something in human experience that goes deeply but is also a reflection of the wider way we live together. And I think about yeah. Kez and how we're we getting this portrait of childhood, of school and family life in Yorkshire. And mm. there are these moments of painful injustice, right? It just, oh. that make me so uncomfortable, which is another hallmark yeah. of Ken Loach movies. Yep. 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 Um, but, but the discomfort is so important, right? Because you're learning about this place yep. and these people, and you're also learning about yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, you know, what, what did you learn from it when you were watching it? Yeah. Um, in some ways, I have to admit it was, man, I got away from that. Um, hmm. My house was very similar to, to Billy's. I grew up in a two up, two down. Uh, we didn't have an indoor bathroom. But I did have parents who were kind of there for me, you know, which hmm. it, to me is the thing that most of all the heartbreaking things in this movie is how alone Billy is. He's so isolated. You know, yeah. He's so His isolated. father he, left, right? And he has yeah, his mother, yeah. but his mother's not really there. His brother, good God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. No, exactly. And also, I have to say, it made me so grateful to be an only child uh, because, <laughs> oh, my God, that brother. Um, so, yeah. So he has a very neglectful mother who just is very selfish, yeah. just can't cope, isn't interested, is, and in a way, too, is seeking her own survival Mm. you know she's brought him into the world in a way she's she's you know she's been like the mother kestrel you know yeah he's big enough now to take care of himself if somebody grabs him out of the nest well that's on him you know um you know i think even of like the movie from 2016 moonlight Mm. i mean a beautiful movie in many ways but the thing that stuck with me was just you have no chance like if your parents or your parent are for some reason unable to help you yeah. it's so hard to 
to make it yeah. in, in, in by any definition. So I think in some ways that's the thing that is terrifying. It just kind of makes you realize how lucky you were. And I have to say I'm not close with my parents, uh, but that that is one of those, you know, wake-up calls or, oh, God, you know, that these how, how easily things can work out very differently in a life. Um, mm. Because I have to say I might have grown up in a, a house like Billy's, but I live a very different life now, and I'm not sad about that. And you got out. Exactly, exactly. What are you going to do with yourself tonight, love? Read me book. I'm going to look at town after seven. I'm going to be late again. Listen, Billy, there's two bob here. Chuck, I want you to get yourself some pop, some crisps. Do you? Yeah. And don't still be up when I come in, will you? You know, you just see just the impossibility of Billy having a happy life or it just doesn't seem like there's a huge chance for that. Hmm. Um, you know, and even his mother at least has the sort of, she knows enough to see him as, an, as a hopeless case. Well, I mean, that kind of means she's given up on him, which she really shouldn't have, of course, but... You know, that's that also happens to be true. Hmm. And it's not really because of him. It's because of the system. Exactly. I mean, I know that logically, right? I know that we have many examples right. of that. But it was still right. shocking to me watching this today to know that even though this kid who's so smart and so wise mm-hmm. beyond his years at 14 was already people gave up on him. Yeah. And, you know, and I also like as somebody who probably now in that situation, I would have been a teacher. And I, you know, in the Colin Welling character, I don't actually remember the the character's name, but he's the teacher. Mm. And he, you know, he expresses frustration with Billy. That is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Billy isn't paying attention. We know that it's because perhaps he hasn't had anything to eat. He hasn't slept. He's been, you know, he's, there's nothing, he's had no support. But at the same time, maybe he has learning difficulties. Almost certainly has learning difficulties. But also... He's still really annoying. He's not paying attention. He's not helping. You know, it's really kind of awful. Yeah. Well, and it's the great thing about Ken Loach, right, is that he has these characters who are complicated. Like, you're rooting for them, but you're also like, oh, no. You know, you shouldn't do that. That's probably not good. (laughs) Same old faces. Same old faces. Ten years this school's been opened, and ten years have we seen after every assembly... A line of boys here, and the same old faces. Shut up, lad. Don't interrupt. I close the door. Until someone produces a better solution, I'll continue to use this cane. Knowing fully well that you'll be back for it time and time and time again. You smokers will go out of here with your hands ringing. But will it stop you smoking? You're already looking forward to smoking at break? You lad, what are you grinning about? Not grinning, sir. You are? I bet you're already thinking about smoking at break. Empty your pockets. They're loaded with cigarettes. Come on, all of you, empty your pockets. Ah. A regular little cigarette factory, aren't you? I hope you're enjoying my conversation with June Thomas. Our current This Movie Changed Me season is far from over, but we're already looking ahead to our next one. 
As a beloved member of our movie-loving community, we'd love to hear your thoughts about our show. You can let us know by going to onbeing.org forward slash TMCM survey. Respond before November 24th, and you'll be entered to win a set of 16 illustrations, one for every episode of this season, from Black Panther and Groundhog Day to Coco and Emma Deus. Once again, that's onbeing.org forward slash TMCM survey. And thank you for being part of our This Movie Changed Me community. I love the the original review that Roger Ebert wrote about Kez. I just wanted to oh. read a little bit for you because I think he just hits upon all the things we're talking about, but also in just that amazing Ebert way, um, makes it so poetic. So he says, the story is about a boy who's caught in England's class-biased educational system. He reaches school leaving age and decides to leave, but doesn't have anything else he much cares about. He's the butt of jokes and hostility at home, where his older brother rules, and inarticulate with his contemporaries. One day he finds a small kestrel hawk and trains it to hunt. The bird becomes his avenue to a free and natural state, the state his soul needs, and that his home and school deny him. And then the system, alarmed or offended by his freedom, counterattacks. The film has a heartbreaking humanity. Wow. Right? That's 100% 100 correct, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my favorite scenes um, in the movie is when... And it's just, it's such a beautiful scene, and it really broke my heart when I was watching it, is when Billy is with that teacher that we were talking about. Um, yes, and yes. the teacher had asked to, to be able to come see Billy train um, his, his mm-hmm. kestrel, um, to train mm-hmm. the bird. And he tells him, you know, as he's saying why he cares so much about the bird, he says simply, gratefully, I think she's done me a favor just letting me sit there and watch her. Right. And it's so wise. I mean, it's like a meditative thing to say <laughs> for a 14-year-old. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And as I recall, Billy has, says, has said something similar. Like, Billy has revealed this depth of perception that, you know, for a guy who just really doesn't, he just doesn't engage most of the time. He just, he's not playing along. But he also, when he's talking with that teacher, even though he doesn't really want him there and it's kind of an aggravation that he shows up. Mm-hmm. He is able to really connect with him and, and, you know, have this very wise, perceptive exchange that's really, that is really amazing. No, when I take her for walks, somebody comes up to me and says, look, it's Billy Casper, he's up, pet talk. I could shout at him and say, it ain't a pet. Oh, if somebody comes up to me and says, is it tame? Is it tame? Ox, I can't be tamed. The mand. It's wild and it's fierce and it's not bothered about anybody. Not bothered about me, right? That's what makes it great. A lot of people wouldn't understand that. They wouldn't like their pets to be fussed. I'm not bothered about that. I just wanted for her looks and to fly her. They keep the talking budgies. They're not compared with her. Mm. You're right, Billy. You're probably right. Do you know something, sir? I think she'd do me a favour just letting me sit here and watch her. I think the thing, too, is that, as I was saying, you know, it's so heartbreaking to see everyone give up on a 14-year-old. But I think what's even Mm -hmm. more heartbreaking is he's given up on them, too. Right. Exactly. Because even the teacher who, you know, really appreciates and and thanks him for this thing that he was given, you know, entree to, he actually doesn't help him. No. He doesn't, or anyone else, you know, so he, he knows that everything's stacked against these kids and and you know i guess he he's there and he's he's trying with them but there's no hope hmm. 
Yeah. There's no path. No. Well, that's joyful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it is a really bleak movie. It is. And, and, but the bleakness is actually accurate. Like, what hope would there be? It would be a false message to suggest that somebody like uh, Billy actually did have a way out or did have yeah. some sort of path to redemption or to, you know, satisfaction or to... He doesn't. He's like, there's no hope for a, for a kid like him. He's going to be probably on the dole pretty soon. He's not going to go down pit. And if he does, he's only a few years later, he'll be on the dole. And and I guess, too, the message that really that is the job that's available for for guys like him. And when we've seen that the only place that his soul, you know, finds expression is in the open with nature, um, to be in the claustrophobic confines of a pit, mm. um, you know, would be just absolutely his soul would be the last little bits of his soul would be absolutely shredded so it, it, there is no hope it's totally yeah. totally bleak and i wonder if maybe that's the thing about this movie is that there's it's just a representation of what you were mm-hmm, saying earlier mm-hmm. it's a way to show someone right. being seen right a person you normally don't see on film you know in hearing you talk about this movie and talking about kez mm. And correct me if this is a wrong assumption, but I almost feel like one of the things this movie gave you was an ability to look back on your childhood and your home fondly. Yeah, absolutely. Which I, you know, I didn't always feel. Yeah. I didn't always feel very warmly toward it. But there's something that I mean, I, I actually feel kind of pride in this movie or in those people because, you know, they endure. They mm. they. And there's also something that is really, again, doesn't get reflected very much. There's a, it's a British thing, but it's especially a northern thing. Like you would never praise anything, um, and there's and there's a real hardness, which is again a British, but especially like in northern and in working class communities and mining communities, of you know being hard has really, hmm. um, it's very important and you know incredibly destructive. But you know <laughs> there you go, uh, and. Uh, I actually kind of like seeing that because I know when I, whenever I go home, even if something's amazing, I'll go, that was all right. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> um, and like, I kind of like seeing that, yeah. even that kind of value and emotional response feels really real. It's, it, it does. It, it makes me feel good about the North uh, in a way that, you know, usually things don't. And also kind of I want people to see, like, this is where I come from, mm. you know. Look at that. Look, look what I did, um, which is, you know, a little bit selfish and a little bit uh, self-aggrandizing. But, um, yeah, I have to admit that that's a little bit present too. My friend Jack eats sugar My friend Jack eats sugar June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts. She co-hosts their show on gender, relationships, and feminism called The Waves. Fun fact about June, in her free time, she enjoys reading ADA News, the news publication of the American Dental Association. Kestrel and Woodfall Films produced Kez, and the clips you heard in this episode are credited entirely to them. John Cameron composed the music for Kez, and Trunk Records released its soundtrack. Next time on This Movie Changed Me, we'll be talking with the Olympic softball player and sports broadcaster, Jessica Mendoza. The movie that changed her life is A League of Their Own. You can find it streaming in all the usual places and prepare yourself for some 90s Madonna, Gina Davis, and Tom Hanks magic. 
The team behind this movie changed me is... Maya Tarrell, Chris Hegel, Tony Liu, Kristen Lin, and Lillian Vo. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios, which is located on Dakota land. We also produce other podcasts you might enjoy, like On Being with Krista Tippett and Becoming Wise. Find those wherever you like to listen or visit us at onbeing.org to find out more. I'm Lily Percy, and let's all think about the complicated relationships with our hometowns and how they shape us. Shout out to the 305, Miami, Florida. This podcast is produced by On Being Studios in Minneapolis, Minnesota.